You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. So I'm Gary Brashears. I'm one of the elders here at Grace. And uh, I get to preach today. And do you like that? You guys are weird. Uh, So I got a question for you. You know how I do things. What is the most important thing in the world? There's a Sunday school answer. What is it? Jesus. Okay. Now, I heard some of you sneaking in the second most important thing in the whole entire known world, and that is grandparenting. Yes. Yes. That is the best. So, you know, first service, Matt was sitting over here and Rhonda, and they shouted it out at the top of their lungs. They're fairly new at it. They need a little instruction, but they're, they're working hard at it. Grandparenting is an amazing thing to do, and uh, we get to do that. And uh, we want to honor family, grandparents. One in particular, this is Jerry Vale with... Kylia Messenger. Jerry is Jamie's mom. And you've heard Jay talk about her a lot. And she went to be with Jesus on Wednesday night after a long, long, long illness. Uh, it's just been super, super hard on the Messenger family because so much care has been required because uh, she's just helpless in her last days. And uh, it's just been tough. So Jay and Jamie are not here today. I use my office as an elder to say, get out of here, don't show up. And I didn't do exactly that, but uh, they are taking the time off today just to be with family. But we want to honor Jerry because not only did she kind of adopt the messengers and become a spiritual mom to Jay, but boy, the impact she's had in their kids, just phenomenal. And Kylie is just one, and this is a, her graduation a year ago, and uh, she's with Jesus. The service will be Saturday, February 8th out in Rainier, Oregon. We'll put all the details in the old church email. It'll be 1 o'clock on Saturday uh, for those you want to see. You're all invited to come if you want to. But it'll be a graveside service, and it could be snowing 18 inches that day. So <laughs> you know how it is. Grandparenting. You say, I don't have any grandkids. Not a problem. Not a problem. This is Jesse and Bethany Schlender, and Bethany is my daughter, our daughter. And there is absolutely no biological or legal connection between us and her and them. But her mom died when she was about eight, and uh, her dad dropped dead when she was in her 20s, and it just, it's a super close relationship, and it just bombed her. And I got involved in her life at that process. Jesse was an add-on at that point. They got married. I was involved in that. They started having babies. I was not involved in that, but I appreciated it. <laughs> uh, and uh, this, that's a recent picture for their home in Boise. So Sherry and I were over there for Christmas. So that's, that's Luke and, and Thomas, five months old, identical twins. Can you tell which one is which? Well, clearly, 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 without any doubt, the guy in the striped pajamas is Luke, 
because he's got more Mr. Spock ears than Thomas. Uh, yeah, and I mean, cute? Oh my gosh, are they cute or what? Yeah, well, they don't look like me exactly, but uh, I'll take everything I get. So this is Emily, their older sister, and we're just having so much fun. So three older kids got, uh, well, Emily got a soccer ball as a gift from us. Why? Why did we give her a soccer ball? She loves soccer. And so the rule was no soccer in the house. So it was a favorite game for Christmas. Soccer in the house because it was raining outside. And uh, no, don't play it here, but ha, 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 ha. You know, it's just one of those kinds of things. She just loves it. It's great. So three kids got presents from their Aunt Cindy, so I posed them in front of the Christmas tree. Noah, the three-year-old, got the favorite gift of the whole house. A garbage truck. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) But he loved it, so they all abandoned their gifts and started playing with a garbage truck. It was just so much fun, so much fun. And remember, there's no connection. Sharon and I collect kids. You know, got any kids? They're wandering around the street. Just bring them home. Be a little careful, but I mean, there are lots of people, and they don't have to be kids. Bethany, I became dad to her, and she was well into her 20s, but she needed a dad, and she adopted me. Not that I was unwilling, but it was great. This is Michael and Elizabeth. What are they doing? Decorating the Christmas tree. They used to get a ladder out to put the star on the tree because they like big trees. Now, Michael just climbed up on Elizabeth's shoulders, and they got the job done. He's six years old. He also discovered his best gift is an RC car that works nicely in the snow in Kansas City yesterday. So Elizabeth and Don are going to be at the game today, snowing in Kansas City. They're going to be there, you know, out exposed to the snow. Who would want to do that? But he also helping his dad clean up snow and laughing and having a great time. Family is such a good thing. Family is such a good thing. This is Cindy. There is a legal relation, but a not biological relationship. She's our adopted daughter. She works at Cannon Beach Conference Center, and I just found out yesterday she was employee of the month in December. Not that I'm proud of her, but yeah, I'm proud of her. Big deal, you know. This is Mark, the new director down there. So what did we get Cindy, who's not a kid? What do you get her for Christmas? She was with us. And the answer is, this is what you get her. And you say, why in the world would you get a miter saw for an adult? Because she does crafts. And she wanted to use crafts, so she did. So we bought her a miter saw. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I said, Cindy, I need an example for the sermon. She said, nah, I'll get it for you, but i got to learn how to do the thing first. So, I mean, but the thing of it is, you give gifts that are blessing to people that you want to have a relationship or you want to build that relationship. Now, there are other kinds of gifts that are beyond family gifts. Here at Grace, we have a staff here at Grace, and I'm not a part of the staff, but I know about them. And they had an ugly Christmas sitter (laughs) challenge. So there they are. Who would you pick as the ugly Christmas sweater guy or girl? Bob. Bob. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> so I don't know if Bob's here today, but Bob, 
It's you, bro, it's you, it really is, yeah. So you can bless Bob by giving him, aha, no, no, is that, no, that's not Bob. Hard to see through the lights here. So when you see Bob, just bless him with an appropriate comment (laughs) or British insult, whatever. What's the point here? The point we're talking in the book of Galatians is about family that's more than just biological family. Family is much, much larger than that. We're talking about the family of Jesus Christ. And there are all kinds of gifts involved in family, all kinds of gifts involved in family. And it's available to everybody. You know, lonely people, a lot of lonely people in our society, but this is about family and gifts and honoring and building relationships is what family is about. So Galatians chapter 1 is our passage for the day. It uh, begins like this. Paul, an apostle, sent not by men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him up from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jay preached that sermon last week, did an amazing job on it. I encourage you to go back and watch the live stream or listen to the podcast. And those of you who are watching by live stream right now, we want to welcome you to Grace. It's a, it's a wonderful place to be because we celebrate these kinds of things. Today we want to start at verse 6. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And even if we or an angel from heaven should preach the gospel other than the one we've preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, and now I'll say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what we have, you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. He's a little upset. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. So he's about the one gospel, but he's talking about perversions of the gospel. So what I want to do here is talk first about the gospel, and then I want to talk about perversions of the gospel and draw some conclusions as we think together. So you think about this, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus who is the Messiah. And Acts chapter 2 is kind of the central passage on the gospel. So a year ago at Christmas, I did a full sermon on just this gospel, which you can go back and listen to, but I'll summarize it here. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this, Jesus Nazareth was a man accredited by God, 
by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Now, what's he accredited as here? We go back to the Gospel of Luke, and he is accredited as Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He is the Son of God, is a key phrase in Luke's Gospel. He's not just a man, he is God with us, the promised Messiah. And that passage ends in verse 36 by saying, this is the bookend, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So this Jesus, who is Emmanuel, he is Lord, he is the promised Messiah. And this promise goes clear back to the beginning, page three of the Bible. And the thing it is, he's saying, this is him. What did he do? Well, there's a lot of things, but two I want to focus on. One is in Jeremiah 31. The prophet Jeremiah is saying to the people of Israel as they're headed off into captivity, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. And this new covenant is not like, not like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt. What's the covenant made when he brought them out of Egypt. And that covenant, of course, is the Mosaic covenant, which is what? 613 very specific commandments about things like food laws, sacrificial system, Sabbath, all kinds of stuff, sexuality. 613 very specific commands for the people of Israel. I'm going to make a new covenant in place of that Mosaic covenant. So that's the first thing Messiah is going to do. He's going to establish a new covenant. And that transition is going to be hard. We're going to look at that quite a bit through the rest of the book of Galatians because that transition is be extremely difficult for the people, as we'll see. A second thing that happens that Messiah is going to do, Joel chapter 2, this is quoted in Acts chapter 2 that we're kind of focusing on. Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on whom? All people. Except to this point, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on people, but just, just a select few. Now what he's saying is, I'll pour the Spirit on all people. Sons, daughters, old men like me, young men. Yeah, we got some young men in here, you too. Sons, daughters, men and women, I will pour out my Spirit, and everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is going well beyond the Jewish group, and well beyond the Torah-observant Jews. This is now available to everyone. So the second thing that what's happening here is he'll pour his spirit on all peoples. The promised Messiah will do these things. And this is going to be a big, 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 big change. It's an end of an era, really, and the beginning of a new covenant time. Acts chapter 2. This man was handed over by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. So this is God's plan being worked out to do what? Crucify him. See, it looks like that's a defeat when Messiah is crucified. It looks like it's a failure. But no, it's God's plan that he'd be crucified because he dies as a substitute for our sins. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Bring forgiveness for any sin. 
There is no sin so large that Messiah Jesus' sacrifice will not bring forgiveness for that sin. Forgiveness. He goes on. Verse 24. God raised him from the dead. So a third point here is that Jesus rose to bring us newness of life. He's Emmanuel, Lord, Messiah, died as substitute for our sins, rose to bring us new life. Jerry Vale, by one narrative, is worm food now. By the true narrative, this incredibly godly woman is in the very presence of her Savior, exalting and looking forward to the fullness of resurrection in the new earth, where she will see beauty by being involved in it in a very deep, personal kind of way, far more than we can ever have now in the Shadowlands. Newness of life, the eternal life that begins now, but looks to a greater life later. It's not done yet, though. A lot of stuff on resurrection. Verse 33, he is exalted to the right hand of God, the same Messiah who was crucified. And what he did there is he is there seated and bringing defeat to all the enemies. The enemies become a footstool for him to put his feet on in the dramatic imagery here in quoting from Psalm 16. That's Psalm 110, sorry. So the fourth thing that we see here is the exalt to the right hand of God and he is defeating death and demons. See, death is an enemy. It's always an enemy. But it's a defeated enemy because life comes even in the midst of death. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Also in verse 33, Acts 2, 33, he's received the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out the promised Holy Spirit on whom? On all people. That's Jeremiah, that's Joel chapter 2. Jesus has poured out the Holy Spirit on all people. Now, if I'm precise and I'm given to that, I would say it's not only all people, but it's also all peoples. Because it's not just Jewish folk. It's not any, what's going to be, as it says in Revelation, every tongue, tribe, kindred, nationality is going to receive the promised Holy Spirit if they're a part of God's family. Now remember, you don't have to be a bio family. Who's the bio family of Jesus? Well, that's the Jewish folk. Who are the non-bio family? Well, that's somebody like me who is not Jewish, so far as I know. But see, it's the same promise for all now. You don't have to be bio family, and you get incredible gifts like garbage trucks when you join God's family, and they're amazing gifts. I want to unpack that a little bit further. What is this gospel about? Well, first of all, it's about becoming a member of the family of God. Family of Yeshua HaMashiach. Becoming a part of his family as Bethany became a part of our family. And what does that mean? There are a couple aspects. One of them is what we call theologically justification. Big term. And what it means here is that we have received, well, what goes in the blank? You can figure it out. 
What goes in the blank? Forgiveness. Yeah, you've already seen it. You receive forgiveness of sin and whatever that sin is. What was Paul doing before he became a follower of Jesus? He was murdering people. Can you imagine what it's like for him to sit next to the son whose father he murdered and worship Jesus together? Forgiveness of sin and, and acceptance as a child of God. That's the gift that he gives. That's the gift that he brings to all people if they'll receive it. A second part of this gift, and again, it's a gift, free to be given, is what we call regeneration or new birth. There's different terms for it, new creation. Receiving a new heart, and see, biblically, the heart is the deepest desires that run my life. And those deep desires, it's saying, are transformed as a gift of, the, of God so that my deepest desires, I want to serve Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Now, I've got competing desires. We'll look at those in chapter 5. We call them flesh, the sinful desires that make me break into hives when I get close to Jesus. I get a new heart, but beyond that, I also get new power for the indwelling Holy Spirit. And if you're one, and I know for a fact there are people in the room here and out in the live stream that are listening by podcast, and you're struggling, you're struggling with the desires that you can't overcome, or it seems like it, and you're fighting them, and you're maybe losing and dropping back into the trash again, and you hate it. There's a new power. You don't have to be stuck there. God will help. So will we. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to be sure, remember, it's a gift to be received. The only condition is you've got to recognize you have a need and willing to receive his help. I look at the number of people when I talk to them about the gospel of Jesus and the free gift that he gives. And the answer I get back to them is, oh, I'm good. I, I can take care of myself. I've got the gospel of yoga. It's, 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 it's good. Well, yoga is fine, but it will not deal with your fundamental problems. I'm sorry, it won't. It's a gift. Do you recognize your need where you say, God, I need your help? We you come to believers in Jesus Christ and say, I need your help. See, a gift is you'll get it. Gift. To whom? Whom do you give gifts to? You give it to people you value, like grandkids, like family members. In the olden days, anyway, when a neighbor would move into the neighborhood, what would you do? You would take a plate of cookies. Why? See, that's the second question is, is why? What do you give? Something will bless them, a soccer ball, a garbage truck, RC car. Why do you do it? To establish relationship. Now, here's the thing. How many of you took a gift to the person at the checkout stand at your local supermarket? How many of you took a gift to that person? The answer is nobody. Why? They have no worth to me. 
They're nice people. I chat with them when I check out of the store, but they're just background people. And see what's happening from God's perspective. He has a totally different perspective on a gift because we give gifts to honor and build relationships, and that's good. God gives gifts at a different level because acceptance or membership in the family of Yahweh does not depend in any way on my character or behavior. It does not depend in any way on who or what I am. Now, in our world, gifts absolutely depend on that, but not in God's world. That gift comes to anybody. What does getting that gift depend on? And getting that gift, of course, depends on my willingness to receive, recognize and receive my need. When he says, will you accept my gift of forgiveness and healing? All I have to do is say, yeah, I'm in. The other side of this is living as a child of God, not just becoming a part of the family, but now living as part of the family. So let's unpack that a little bit. This is what we call, well, the grace of God appeared to bring salvation to whom? Everyone. Everyone gets the offer of salvation. Everyone. And this gift teaches us to say what? No. To what? Ungodliness, world passion, self-controlled. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people that are eager to do what's good. See the back and forth between Jesus is doing and what we do in response? It's a partnership. It's a partnership where we play our part in the saying no to wickedness. So sanctification is making every effort to keep in step with the promise, empowering Holy Spirit that comes again as a gift. But we're making every effort to keep in step so that we can progressively mature into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And this maturing is about me as an individual, but it's also about us as a community. Because we at Grace want to become more and more a community characterized by mercy, faithfulness, generosity, forgiveness, grace, and we're doing that. We're doing that. That's what the gospel is about, living as a child of God. Paul said this in verse, chapter 1, verse 10. He is trying to win the approval of human beings, question mark, or the approval of God. Which one? Well, see, a lot of times they're the same one. A lot of times they're the same one. Because a lot of people I have in a relationship, their deepest desires are godly desires. And when I'm trying to please them, good thing, I'm also trying to please Jesus. But when they're contradictory, and many times they are, I have to choose. And what Paul is saying is, I'm not trying to please you if you're in opposition to God. So, approval, we talked about acceptance that comes because I'm willing to receive it. Approval in the family of God depends increasingly on my faithfulness in living out the life he's given me. I have a big part of pleasing 
God. I hear people say, I don't live to please anybody. You're an idiot. Of course we please other people. The question is, whom are we trying to please? And here's the point. Here's the point. He gives me his spirit. He gives me his body. He gives me his encouragement to help. I'm not on my own. And sometimes that struggle is so incredibly difficult. It just seemed like, forget it, man. I'm out. This is too hard. And we see Paul struggling with that at points in the New Testament. The thing is, we remain faithful. You come and say, I need help. We come and walk with people when you're feeling so much shame. But see, the point of it is, you don't have to be ashamed of your shame. We'll talk about it because we understand it. We're, we're not self-righteous people. We're not good dudes who've got it all put together telling you what a jerk you are. We're all beggars searching for bread. We've got a clue. It's with Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm astonished, he says, that you so quickly are deserting the grace of Christ. That you're deserting it for a gospel. It isn't a gospel. It isn't good news at all. Some people are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, he says. And what he says is that person is bringing God's curse on them. Wow. He's not exactly being nice, is he? Because it's so critically important because the false gospel brings death, not life. So there are false gospels that bring God's what? God's curse. That's what he's saying. Now, what are some of those? What are some of those? Well, some are about becoming a child of God, and some of them are about becoming Christ-like. There are false gospels on both sides. So becoming child of God, one of those gospels, one of those false gospels, is this. I've got to clean myself up to get into God's family. Now, where you're sitting, David, is where Matt was sitting in first service, some of you know Matt's story. He was running away from the church as hard as he could possibly go. And he was being very successful at being an absolute total blankety blank. I know people who were trying to work with him back in the day. But part of what was happening is he was looking at the impossible burden to clean himself up so he could become acceptable to Jesus. And you can't do it. And in preaching team on Tuesday, we were talking about this. I watched my friend to the point of tears saying, I didn't have to do anything except receive his grace. In her bookstore in Astoria, he broke down and totally changed. And we see who Matt is today. He's still got some growing to do, to be sure, but so do I. This gospel is a gospel of legalism. And it's a horrible perversion of the gospel. Another one is I must gain interest into a church, participate in its services, and keep its rules. There's a good side to that, but that's not the way you become a part of the family of God. You do not have to make a church happy to become a part of the people of God. Now, there's a lot of things outside this. This is the gospel of what we call religion. And there's a lot of that. So that's what I grew up with. We call it fundamentalism, or I did. And to be... A, to be a part of God's family, I had to keep the rules, and they were pretty dang tough rules and pretty nasty about it. So I kicked out of it completely at age 14. 
because I don't want any part of that trash. Another one, I just need to love Jesus. That's all there is to it. You say, well, I think that's right, isn't it? Well, it depends on what you mean by love. Because, see, you don't get to love a designer Jesus. I don't get to define who Jesus is. Who is Jesus according to the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of Acts chapter 2. Who is Jesus? He's what? Yeah, look at your notes. He's what? Emmanuel, Lord, Messiah. He is God with us. He's the one who is crucified. He is the one who calls us to be like him. One of the false gospels is the Mormon church. Now, a lot of nice people are Mormons. And a fair number of Mormons, I think, are genuinely saved because they don't believe what the Mormon church teaches. But here's what they teach. The Mormon church teaches that when Jesus was walking on this earth, he was a human being, nothing more, just like us. The Mormon church completely denies the idea that Jesus is God with us. They do not believe that he is Emmanuel. They believe he's a person exactly like us, who is fully obedient, and now he gets to be God of his own world. He becomes God through the gospel of exaltation. And I pronounce that's false. That's false. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just not. Because they don't believe that he's Emmanuel, Lord, Messiah. Foundation. Again, now, a number of Mormons don't believe the Mormon church. So just because somebody's Mormon doesn't mean they're going that they're under God's curse, but people know what they're doing. They're contradicting, and if you follow it, you don't find life because it's not a true gospel. You don't become a part of the family of God. How about becoming Christ-like? Well, one of them, this is what they're wrestling with in Galatia. They're believing, I must keep the Mosaic Covenant, which means what? Food laws, circumcision, ceremonial sacrifices, Sabbath laws, the Mosaic Covenant, they were saying, you got to be circumcised to Gentiles. No, there's a new covenant that's replaced it. Circumcision and food laws and such are not a part of the new covenant. That's the gospel we call the, the Judaizers. Now, the law is not a bad thing, but if you say you have to do it to be blessed, it's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. We'll unpack that further as we go through the book. This is a picture of Pergamum a reconstruction. Pergamon is one of the cities of Galatia. It's a region. And you see here in the Acropolis of Pergamum, you see that temple right there, reconstruction. Well, that temple you can actually see today in Berlin. This is it. It's been reconstructed in the city of Berlin. It's been there for over a century. Now, I've not been there, but that's the actual temple from Pergamon. And people go there to worship their gods. And one of the gods they worshipped was this god here, Kybele. She's the Phrygian mother of gods. A very, very, very powerful god in that region. A spiritual being, not of Yahweh, of course. But this spiritual being, the idea was, yes, I can worship Jesus, but I must also go to the temple and worship the gods of my city. That gospel is paganism or syncretism, and it's still around today. And what we're saying is, no, you do not have to worship those gods. In fact, it's a bad idea to go to those temple services because you're disloyal to Yahweh when you do it. We worship Jesus only. Another one is, 
if I obey God, if, if I obey God, then he will bless whom? Me. See, this is the gospel of prosperity gospel, a gospel of how to get health, wealth, and happiness. And there are a lot of people who preach this gospel in our world today and look at this as a way of guaranteeing blessing is to keep the rules. Kind of my least favorite is a guy whose name is really interesting, is Creflo Dollar. What an appropriate name for a teacher of prosperity gospel. Creflo Dollar, big hoorah, because he wanted a $65 million jet to get around town a little quicker. But he obeyed God, so he gets it. Nope. Another one, I just enjoy my freedom and wait to go to heaven when I die. I mean, I prayed the prayer when I'm eight, I'm going to heaven, it's good, I can live any way I want, and don't you dare judge me, because that would be ungodly. This is the gospel of license or indulgence. This is the do anything because I'm going to heaven anyway, nonsense. And that's a false gospel. But I see a lot of people practicing it. I see a lot of people doing that. Jesus followers. Worship team, you want to come on up here? God's gift of inclusion in his family is a gift. And the point here is this gift goes entirely without regard of the worth of the person. Our gifts always take into account the worth of the receiver. God says, no, no, in fact, I give it to my enemies. It's a free gift given completely without regard to the worth of the person. What we have to do is recognize our need, give up our worth, by which we try to buy God's favor, and receive his gift because we can't earn it. There's no way. There is no possibility that Cindy could have earned the right to become my daughter. We invited her. We can't become God's children by being worthy. But this gift also transforms recipients so we can respond to his call to maturity. It's a gift that does transform the heart and there's growth that comes out of that. It's amazing. God love is without condition completely without condition for reception. There are no strings, zero, none, not a one. So take, think of the worst person you can think of. Drug dealer, runs a strip joint, abuses kids and enjoys it. What else can I put in there? I mean, pick of the worst thing you can possibly do. Can that person become a follower of Jesus Christ without any change whatsoever in his life? What's the answer? Yes! Yes! Now, he won't stay there. But see, the thing of it is, you don't have to clean your life up to be acceptable to God before you come. That's Billy Graham's song, Just As I Am. Come as you are, and you'll be transformed, to be sure. It's not without expectation. But you don't have to do anything to join the family. In the family, there's a lot of maturing to do. Jude says, those eager to write you about salvation, I felt compelled to write you in order to contend for the faith. Sound like Paul, doesn't he? Because there are people come who have slipped into these ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ. Same thing. What do we have to do? We have to 
contend. We have to contend for that gospel. We do. Because their serpent is alive and way, way, way too deceptive and powerful. And we need to contend wisely and lovingly, but firmly for that gospel. Final point, our identity as God's children is more important than any other identity. Now, I have a rumor. I heard somebody say that among you, and you in online community as well, that some of you are ducks and some of you are beavers. Will you talk to each other? I'm told that there are some of, that are of Democrat and there are some that are of Republican. Can you talk to each other? Can you work together well? Can you argue politics as friends, as gospel of Jesus Christ followers? See, that's the question. I could ask for a poll. How many of you are of 49ers? How many of you are of Seahawks? How many of you are godly chiefs? <laughs> yeah, Don and Elizabeth are going to, well, they're at the game by now, probably. The point of it is, yeah, we can have fun around these things, and sometimes the disagreements get tense. It's always, always around the unity of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the gospel of God is everything. And the point of it is, we believe what the gospel says. Let's sing about it. Yes, that is praise. Who's this? Who is this? Billy Cash, amazing. You pray to God and look who shows up. <laughs> Miracle, yeah. For you newbies and you out in line, 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 he was Sarah. Incredible transformation. Incredible transformation. He was Ted Taplett. Immediately on staff. What's that? I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Billy Cash. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Billy was mentoring Sarah way back when. And so tell us what you're doing now, bro. Yeah. Well, hello, Grace. Uh, Explain why it is that you betrayed us and left. I know. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I want you to know that uh, you you are so missed, church. We miss you. Uh, Lindsay and our kids uh, miss you guys a lot. We think about Grace uh, weekly. I, I pray for you guys every Sunday morning. I pray for you that God, God will continue to move here in this place. The Spirit of God will be welcomed here and will transform lives in this place. And so we miss you very much. Four years ago, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but four years ago is when we left to head back uh, to the to, wilderness in Texas. Wilderness. Yeah. yeah, Texas, yeah. And, uh, but, um, uh, I serve, I'm serving at, at Coggin Avenue Baptist Church there. Uh, I'm the college pastor, and I, I do some preaching. And um, for three years, I did a bunch of worship leading, and, and that's kind of uh, stopped now for me to do some other things. But a lot of training with college students that are heading into ministry, I'm getting to develop and just pour into and, and help them grow. And uh, it's good. It's a good church. They're, they're a praying church, a Bible church, and a mission church. Your kids? Um, you kids, still have I kids. still have kids, okay. I, all yeah. three. Uh, yeah. uh, so Emery is now eight, uh, almost eight. She'll be eight in February. Easton is six, and then little Everett. I mean, he was four weeks when we left here. He's, so he's four now, 
And uh, Emery, uh, a year and a half ago, made a profession of faith. I asked you guys to pray for my kiddos. Yeah. So she's made a profession of faith, and I see evidence of that. I know. Thank you, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, Easton's talking like that, and, and Everett right now just tells us he hates sin and loves Jesus. So I'm like, that's the start. We'll go. We'll <laughs> start the there. And, yeah. and uh, Lindsay's, doing, Lindsay's doing well. Uh, she's mentoring girls there and, and uh, teaches at the university as well and some aerobics classes and she's in better shape than I am. That's normal though. Um, but yeah, but we're, we're good. But you're, you're very missed. You're very missed church. Grace still, still to this day, Grace feels like home for us. So we love you. I hope, I, please know that we, we love you and we miss you very much. So. One of the things I like about our church is people like Billy can move on to other assignments and the love is still tight. Yes. You don't have to be here and uh, but you should be. <laughs> you keep telling me, I so, do. yeah. I do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Billy. Pray a, pray a prayer blessing over yeah, our let's church. Pray to, let's pray together, church. <laughs> Father, thank you. Father, thank you for, um, for Jesus, for your son. Dad, thank you for making us family. Lord, that the truth of what was declared this morning in the gospel of Jesus, the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down and you have made peace now with yourself and with others and you've invited us and adopted us into this family. And so, Dad, this morning, we just thank you for that. and We glorify you for that. And Father, I pray for this church, for Grace Community Church, for my brothers and sisters here, that your spirit would move in this place. God, that lives would be transformed, that those that are dead and lost would, would, would be born into life in the gospel of Jesus, that those in bondage, Lord, would be set free. God, that you would get all glory and honor because of your spirit that is at work powerfully here in this place. God, would Jesus continue to be exalted here? Would the Bible continue to be um, preached and proclaimed faithfully here, Lord? And would we live into um, what you declare as good and beautiful and true so in that we may, we may have a life and joy and relationship in you. Father, I love these brothers and sisters, many of them even mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers to my family while we were here. And I pray that those coming through these doors find that in this place as well. Lord, we love you. We love you and we give you all glory and we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.